1: It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young
2: people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially... In 310 days, in Ann Arbor, Michigan,
3: on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if
2: you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hellers don't have to go away
0: Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH!
2: Oh, welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds, and we are back for another episode. Happy father's day chris
3: yeah happy father's day to you too eric it was a uh, great day can't complain
2: no it was a beautiful day day. beautiful day thank you very much appreciate that and happy father's day to all of you out there who are watching tonight including my own pops happy birthday to my dad or not birthday happy father's day to my dad that is and i tell you what all of you who are watching we appreciate you who come in each and every single week live to our eight o'clock show every sunday night but we've got something special coming down the road yes, here chris we, we are a part of a northeast ohio buckeye meetup on july 15th at 3 p.m at the town hall ohio city uh in cleveland for a buckeye gathering we along with lisa from the buckeye football Fangirl youtube channel the Scarlet and Game podcast, and yes. the 3.30 sports show out of Youngstown, which you will learn a lot about that tonight. We are all getting together on the 15th next month. It's a Saturday afternoon for a big Buckeye Northeast Ohio bash. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page or our Twitter page, you will find a direct link. It looks, you, In that link, you'll see this picture. Click on that picture. It will take you to that page where you can sign up to get your free tickets space is limited so you're going to want to make sure you get in early get your free tickets show up have a great time and chris there's going to be one very special guest that's going to be attending with us chris tell him who's coming
3: i'll tell you the king of charisma himself eric mike wargo is going to be up there with us and you know it's always such a great time whenever we get to uh, team up with Mike on any event.
2: Where where Mike Wargo's at, the party's at, right? That's that's right. that's, that that's what we like right. to say. Mike is one of the most um, friendly, and energetic, and thankful Buckeyes I have ever met. He's the Rudy of Ohio State, and he is he can't wait to be there. He's excited. He's got his tickets. I've got my tickets. Chris, you got your tickets ready? Got my tickets. We are loaded and ready to go. We're looking forward to meeting all of you in Northeast Ohio. So if you're watching this and you're from Northeast Ohio, go to our Facebook page. I'll throw a link down in the description and notes after we post this. And make sure you're there and have a good time. There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of characters there. Is the best way I can put that. We've got Larry Daniels from sunny uh, Florida. He says, hello, Larry. Good to have you in. Our buddy, Ryan Wickerham. What's up, my guys? Hey, Ryan, looking forward to that tailgate against Penn State. That's going to be a good time. I've got that marked down on the calendar. We're going to be doing a show there from Ryan Wickerham's uh, tailgate for the Penn State game, Chris. We've got some interesting topics tonight before we bring on our guest uh, later on. And uh, let's just go ahead and start with the first one, shall we? We've got another reaction video that we want to run. This one one came out a couple weeks ago from Ohio State. It's Brian Hartline and Marvin Harrison Jr. It's about 10 minutes long. This clip, we're only going to play the first section, which is about a minute long. And it's talking about the Mount Rushmore of Ohio State wide receivers. Let's play the clip, Chris and then you and I are going to react. Get your Mount Rushmore wide receivers ready. Post them in the comment section for us now. That's four, your top four all-time Ohio State wide receivers. We'll see if your list matches Chris's list and my list, and we'll see if it matches Marvin Harrison Jr.'s list, okay? Let's check this out.
1: So your Mount Rushmore – courtesy of jackson yeah. uh of ohio state receivers would be who chris carter yeah would be up there that's tough michael jenkins yeah he
2: yeah mike partial like do you
0: go pro career yeah, do you go college yeah, hard, career? yeah you know so terry glenn yeah
3: i think last year you know i know he won the Blint Cuff award yeah. i was trying to join that list so i think I put him up there also chris alabe i nice. got to put chris up there okay and he's done it for you know three years he's productive no um, sophomore to senior years so
2: I'm
1: going to put Chris Lally up there yeah I would say the one the Paul Warfield you know like the original wide yeah, out yeah it's way past I know yeah. it's <laughs> way back there but that's I feel like there's maybe some room for him so who else would we miss him I mean there's tons It you is. Know, I think he, David, Boston, David Boston David Boston yeah I mean they, in, then you even go to Garrett yeah then you even go
3: to I mean keep there's on so many going. different eras I think it's different eras too yeah I agree I think, you know since you became the receiver coach it's like we have a whole new era of receivers yeah I think we kind of have to have our own separate.
1: And does that play a part? Yeah. I think it should. Yeah, right. A, I mean, definitely. offensive style, the whole thing. But yeah, yeah I, I would. I would agree. I, would, I think you're you're pretty you're pretty darn yeah, spot on, on. So it's good.
2: It. Chris, there we go, man. So to reiterate, here's who Marvin Harrison Jr. chose for his Mount Rushmore: Chris Carter, Michael Jenkins, Terry Glenn, Chris. Olave, Brian Hartline then brings up Paul Warfield, David Boston, and Garrett Wilson who he feels should be mentioned as possible candidates for that list as well. Um, I've got four other guys that I feel deserve to be debated here. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and start with you again. Those of you who are watching, we want to know what your list is after Chris and I give mine, we will share yours. Your Mount Rushmore, your top four, and and here's the thing: you can choose this based off anything you want. That's what's unique about this. It's not just who are the top four statistically, because then you know you're taking out certain things like who had the greatest season or who had the biggest impact, uh, who was a who was a trailblazer at the position for Ohio State. So a lot of different things you can kind of look at when you make a Mount Rushmore. Of a certain position. But Chris. I'm going to turn it over to you. You give me your Mount Rushmore. Of wide receivers at Ohio State. Go.
3: Well. You, you know you're right. And, and I made sure. I, I specifically focused on college career here. I did not look at the pro. Um, that was one thing that. You know Brian Hartline talked about. Was was that distinction. Uh, I personally think that Marvin Harrison Jr. Got about 75% of it right. I do believe Chris Carter belongs there. I mean. You know, he played in an era when you only threw the ball on third and five or more, you know, basically. Uh, You know, Chris Carter's fourth in receptions, fourth in career yards, uh, fourth in touchdown receptions, third in receptions per game for a career, fifth in 100-yard games uh, with with nine, and he shares the record for the most consecutive 100-yard games in a career with one Jackson Smith and Jigma. I mean... The guy put himself in the record books as a receiver in an era when receivers just didn't touch the ball, near as often as they do now. I mean, and, and he was also hampered by injury a little bit in his first year and was ruled ineligible in 1987. Imagine what the, his numbers had been if he had gotten to play a full season. Now, I went with David Boston as my second. You know, Boston uh, led the team in receptions in in with 73 and 97, led the team in, 98 with 85. He's second in career receptions, third in receptions for a season, sixth uh, most uh, as well with 73 and 97. Five times he had 10 or more receptions in a game. Uh, you know, he had a huge game versus Penn State in 97, which uh, gave him 14 catches, which was the record until Jackson Smith and Jigba recently broke that record. Uh, you know, second all-time in yards, 2855. Just... Statistically, he was a monster. And I think he's arguably, at least from a statistic standpoint, arguably possibly the best wide receiver in Ohio State history when you put all the, take all that into consideration. Eric, you know, what would a wide receiver discussion be without mentioning your sixth grade dance shirt man? I went with Olave. Uh, you know he had that coming out party against that team up north in 2018. Left for the NFL in 2021, after rewriting the record books, Olave completed his career with third most receptions in team history 176, fifth in total receiving yards 27 or 2711, first in TD receptions with 35, and tied in uh, for second in receptions per game with the previously mentioned David Boston. Uh, you know, second hundred yard games with 11. Uh, Eric and he did this really in, in a very impressive way because if you look at it he only played one full season in his freshman year he played sparingly his uh sophomore year was his only full season that he got to play in his junior year of course we had the covid year he only got seven games in and then his senior year he had some injury battles that kept him off the field a few games and uh You know, actually led to him being the third leading receiver on the team that year. But like I said with Chris Carter, imagine what this guy would have been had he gotten to play a full slate of games. I don't know that he wouldn't have rewritten every record in the book. I really don't. Finally, I did go with Michael Jenkins. Now, I was torn here. I could not decide, and I know you're going to look at me strange when I say this probably, could not decide between Michael Jenkins and K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill, you know, obviously, most receptions in team history. But Jenkins ranks fifth all-time in receptions at 165, first in all-time receiving yards, 2898. He ranked ninth in yards per catch, 17.6, 17th all-time in touchdown receptions, 12th all-time in yards per catch. Uh, Now, again, I had a hard time between him and K.J. Hill. Hill was near or ahead of Jenkins in several of these categories, but one thing did it for me perhaps the two most important words in Buckeye history. Holy Buckeye.
2: <laughs> You're right.
3: The guy had one of the most monumental catches that continued an undefeated streak for that 0-2 Buckeyes that led to the national title and was really, I think, the beginning of the reemergence of Ohio State football as a national powerhouse. So I think that there was just so much value placed on that that I couldn't leave him off the Mount Rushmore. So again, I've got Boston Jenkins, Carter, Olave. Hmm.
2: We share at least two Carter and Olave. You know, my love affair with Olave.
3: Yes, I do. Uh,
2: That, that is well well documented. Well documented. Yeah. And of course I think Chris Carter, again, you, I'm not going to reiterate everything you said, but uh, he was electric and in, in an era that it was hard to be electric so um <clears throat> yeah so i've got i've got olave i've got carter um after that i jenkins is interesting to me because statistically it's all there but for some reason there's a disconnect in my head outside of, of that play and and so here are a couple of other names, Chris, that were not mentioned. Uh Gary Williams. Yeah. He's all over he's all over the, all the, over the record all, books. Yeah, all over the record books. He had the best single season and single game of all time. Jackson Smith and the Jigba. What could have been, right? Uh here's one, and I don't understand how he gets overlooked. Teddy Ginn Jr.
3: You know, I look at him when I'm evaluating something like a Mount Rushmore. I think I look at him in the same light that I look at a Dwayne Haskins. It was they had that one great season, that one just monumental season. Now, granted, Gin played a couple years. Or I'm sorry, not again. Uh, Terry Glenn played a couple years.
2: T- uh, Teddy Ginn Jr.
3: Yeah, but I mean, they didn't have the 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 monumental.
2: He did a lot on special teams.
3: Yeah. He did.
2: And he he played on a he played on a trestle team that didn't really throw until oh six. So he did a lot of just with his legs outside of just the pat you know he did. as a receiver.
3: And I'll tell you something else that haunts me with Ted Ginn is that fumbled uh with the fumbled kickoff in that game against Ford in the national title game.
2: Well, he got injured. Yeah. He scores. He scores the punt. He gets the punt return for a touch or kick return for a touchdown, and then gets hurt. I mean, what could have been? We don't know. But I, I, I have him on there again. To me, he's a lot like, um, um, he's a lot like Olave for me, just personally. Yeah. Um. So I got Carter. I got Ginn Jr. I got Olave. And that fourth one for me is David Boston.
3: Yeah, I I don't disagree with David Boston. It, absolutely, it's a chi-
2: it's a childhood. I had
3: thing David Boston me. in mind there, Eric. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so does Ryan. He's got Chris Garter, Terry Glenn, Michael Thomas, and David Boston. Now, Michael Thomas is interesting because he was the best wide receiver in the NFL for a span of about three to four years. Yeah, for the New Orleans Saints, yeah. and. I think that kind of rose his legendary status at Ohio State. Of course, he, he was twinkle toes in the national championship game on the on the little end-around pass against yeah. Bama. Uh, he was on the receiving end of that. But statistically...
3: Well, and he's got Terry Glenn there, and that's what I thought you'd mentioned at first when you started talking about Teddy Ginn. Oh, okay. I thought you mentioned Terry Glenn. Terry Glenn is the one who I look at in the same light as Dwayne Haskins. Because they their careers are based on one monumental season. Now, Glenn played a couple years, but really he had that one monumental season that is what sticks out for everybody in the minds of Ohio State fans, I think. So that's the reason I really, you know, like I said, I look at him and Haskins in that same light.
2: Larry Daniels has got Carter, Olave, San Jenkins, Holmes. and Santonio San Holmes.
3: Not a Again, bad choice, but... S- Super Bowl MVP, yes. wouldn't he? He was a Super Bowl MVP.
2: Ryan Wickerham also brings up another name. here, about Chris Campbell. Again, both ways, special teams. All right. No one mentioned the very man who we're talking about who brought this up, who I think by the end of the season could be on that list. Marvin Harrison Jr.
3: I definitely think he's on there by the end of the year, Eric.
2: It's going to take another season like he had last year to be on that mount rushmore but definitely a possibility with there
3: i'll, I'll tell you uh, right now eric i think and, and i'm i'm not even going to hesitate when i say this i think two things put him on that mount rushmore this year mhm Bolitnikov and the heisman
2: well definitely heisman if he wins the Bolitnikov, i think he's in he's already in now i think not, he gets
3: up both this year i
2: think i would take off i would take off david boston and put him in or teddy ginn and put him in one of those two would probably leave
3: yeah and jenkins would, would drop off my list at that point
2: okay there you go very interesting this is good discussion guys uh david gilmore back in the house happy father's day happy father's day to you as well david gilmore good to have you in all right let's move quickly on to our next discussion uh here this is going to be an interesting one as well gene smith does he represent ohio state correctly uh, you, do you, as a fan of Ohio State, do you feel that Gene Smith as an AD represents you and the school properly? Here's where all of this is come is coming from. Here, let's let's dive into this a little bit and have a nice little discussion here. So, this was an article written from on Scarlet and Game by our own Ryan Stano. Uh, I write for Scarlet and Game as well. And he said it's this is the direct quote that kind of got Gene in trouble uh, this uh, last couple weeks. It's so funny. Everybody's so focused on just one game. Smith said during an appearance on 11 Warriors Real Pod Wednesday's podcast of the back to back Michigan losses. We were basically one point away from being in the national championship game, and I think we had got that two points we needed to convert and ultimately play TCU. I feel confident we would have performed well and won a national championship. I'm not so sure about all this chatter. Ryan Stano then goes on to say, this is the quote that seems to be getting people up in arms. Some are taking it that Smith doesn't truly care about the game and that it's just one game. There's one specific outlet saying this online and I refuse to give them any credit for a clickbait headline and quotes taken out of context. So Chris, I'm going to give you the floor to respond here and let me know what you think about this specific before we go on into the other topic that we have with him.
3: Well, Eric, you know, I don't know if Gene Smith is an idiot or just trying to take a backhanded approach to supporting the program. Either way, he needs to face reality. I mean, he basically dismissed the most historic rivalry in college football and the Big Ten Championship, and that's just, it's foolish to me on so many levels. Yeah, this year, this this next season at least, we can lose the, we can lose the game and still get in. We've done it twice now, uh, you know getting into the CFP without having won the title. But you know what? This is the last time I think we're really able to do that, Eric. First, you need to win your conference to secure your spot uh, as far as getting that first round by. You have to do that. And starting in 2024, it's extremely likely that we see that team up north in back-to-back games, Eric. I mean, very likely. And it... If, if, if it was just one game, that's fine. I mean, not, that's not fine. It's If it's just one game, okay. If it's just, you lose to them one. We haven't shown the ability to beat them at all, which means we lose to them twice. You lose two games, back-to-back weeks, that late in the season, that precious natty that you're wanting to play for, forget about it. You're not getting in. You're just not. I don't care if you're Ohio State or Alabama or anybody else. So... To me, it is just absolutely foolish that he is willing to dismiss this rivalry. That He's willing to dismiss the Big Ten title and just say, oh, we're gonna play for national titles. That's what we do, we play for national titles. So my advice to Gene Smith is, and forgive me here, but get your head out of your backside Stop downplaying the game. Get your coach, your team, and yourself in the right mindset to do what needs to be done. Beat your rival. Win all the games leading up to that. And then go out there in the CFP and just kick the crap out of everybody that is in your way. It's that simple. Just prove to those. People that proved all the loudmouth, cousin kissing, IQ smaller than your shoe size. People who support SEC football. Why the best football in the country is played right in Columbus, Ohio. Cut and dry.
2: (laughs) Fired up, huh? A little bit. (laughs) Uh, Larry's uh, hitting on our uh, next part of this uh, conversation when we pull out the... uh, poll question here he said i think gene is trying to lower the temperature temperature i i i I think that's exactly what he's trying to do uh unfortunately it's it has a reverse effect and ryan when he wrote the article was saying that there was some clickbait there that was taking it out of context what gene is saying is yes we lost the game However, the program is still in a very good place when you look at the national landscape and where we're at, which is the same thing that I kind of got on Kirk Herbstreet talking about a couple weeks ago when he was talking about the 15% of Ohio State fans um, that are brainless is how he worded it and called us JAs. But my point is with these guys is this is very much a 90s John Cooper approach to the rivalry. There is no way in H-E double hockey sticks that Urban Meyer would have allowed something like this to have been said. He understood from day one that it was all about beating the team up north. And if you did that, everything else would fall into place.
3: And Eric, if you don't do it now... I'm telling you, seriously, he wants to play for a national title. They're going to be left out if they get beat two times in a row by that team up north. Cut and dry. They'll be looking on the outside in.
2: This was our poll question for the week on Facebook. How do you view Ohio State AD Gene Smith? Your options were get rid of him. We can find someone better. Keep him one of the best ADs in the country, or I'm indifferent, I don't have a strong opinion either way. 60% were indifferent. 16 said keep him. 24% said get rid of him. Chris, what did you vote for on this poll and why?
3: Well, I'll tell you, Eric, I, I have a tough time with this. I really do. As mad as I am right now, um, I do have a, a hard time with this because there are times when he has shown himself to be a really good athletic director. I mean, look at the look look at during the COVID season when he made that push. But at the same time, this is the same guy who cost us a national title when Urban first took over by giving us the self-imposed ban. It seems like this is Gene Smith's MO. I'm gonna do something really stupid and then do something to come out and redeem myself. Um I, I just don't know how much longer I can give him to redeem himself. It's kind of like you, you know, and, and I've said it before It's kind of the same way with Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day is a great, great person. I kind of feel like Gene Smith is probably a really great person. But, you know, you can only screw the pooch so many times. And that's, you know, that's kind of the point I'm at with him. You know, I'm kind of of, I almost want to slide myself into the indifferent category only because... Sometimes it's better to have the evil you know than the evil you don't. Right. And I really get that that vibe when I, when I think about the Gene Smith thing. As mad as I am at him right now for the two topics we're going to discuss tonight, y- you know, like I said, he finds a way to redeem himself seemingly after these screw-ups. Yeah. Um, so... Right now, I, I'm going to put myself in the indifferent category at the moment, Eric. Even as human and mad as I am, I don't want to make a rash decision and say, can the guy? Mm-hmm. And then, what are we going to get?
2: Yeah, so, and, and that brings me to where I voted. I said keep him. Let me share this with all of you. So, uh, Notre Dame just got a brand new athletic director. Mm-hmm. I asked on the always Irish podcast I asked in the, in the chat section for feedback from the Notre Dame fans on if they would rather have Gene Smith than someone else. And overwhelmingly like 90% were like, yes, here's why they, he, he's, you know what he's going to, what you're going to get. He's not going to technically hurt your program, but at being athletic director is so much more than just being the overseer of the finances of football. It is. Okay, and Ohio State athletically is doing tremendous on a lot of fronts, including financially, which we've learned this week, as well as all the new buildings for all the other athletic department uh, sports at Ohio State that he's built. The Cavelli Center is beautiful. It is the Jesse Owens Track and Field Center is gorgeous. The brand new tennis facility. I walked by that this past. Uh, um uh, spring at the spring game. It looks awesome. They're building a brand new uh, lacrosse uh, complex in field hockey. They're going to be building. That's actually brand- done, isn't it? It might be. I think it, I think it, it might this be the season. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a expert on that. Um, and they're building a brand new hockey arena, which is going to be fantastic. So the you know when it comes to building buildings, that's going to be Gene Smith's legacy. At Ohio State, which is which is great, um, but when it comes to the football team, sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth, and I just wish wish Gene would wait to speak, and and grasp kind of the temperature of the room from Ohio State fans before he makes a decision. Like when he brought up playing the first round of the of the uh, college football playoffs in Indiana. At the Colt Stadium, instead of using the shoe, that's that's asinine, Chris.
3: I uh, this guy Eric this week has, like I said, I'm trying not to say anything too rash, I really am, but this guy this last week has irritated my soul. <laughs> I mean, you know, he did. He came out to 11 Warriors. He says Ohio State's never going to play another note game. Past November, in the dark, ever again. He's talking about moving playoff games to Indianapolis. Uh, are you serious? First of all, let, let, let me address the first thing, which was the playing the games in November. Okay, after night games in November. He says it's for player safety. Are you serious? I mean, seriously? You put a turf in Ohio Stadium that you refuse to replace with natural grass, Turf where players have a 32% higher rate of non-contact knee injuries and a 69% higher rate of non-contact foot and ankle injuries. By the way, Eric, what was the condition of our running back room last year? Terrible. A lot of them were, uh, what, knee, foot, ankle
2: injuries? Back, ankles. I mean, we was, it I was mean, a mass these, unit.
3: These are things that can be directly linked to yep. playing on turf. Yep. So you're going to be so hypocritical as to scream foul about playing a night game due to the risk of injury when you don't take the proper precautions to protect your players on a daily basis.
2: I know it. I know. Then,
3: then he comes out and, and or, excuse me, I, I listened to a segment he did with 11 Warriors. So here I'm just kind of on that rant about that at the moment. But he, he, he argued about the cost of winterizing a stadium. Dude, Stupid. First of all, it's not that difficult to winterize that stadium. A, you can easily offset the revenues by having some college games outdoors, hockey games, during that winter. You could play NHL games in the stadium during that winter. I, correct me if I'm wrong. We have an NHL franchise there in uh, Columbus, don't we, Eric?
2: That's debatable.
3: <laughs> okay, well, rumor has it the Blue Jackets are an, NFL, are an NHL franchise. Yes. Hey, I thought we could get them to come over to the shoe. You know what? Wouldn't you love to see the Battle of Ohio played in Columbus sometime?
2: Oh, that'd be the awesome. The Browns
3: versus Cincinnati.
2: Oh, that'd be so awesome.
3: You know, these are all things you can do to offset that cost that you're so worried about with winterizing the shoe. And then, you know, and the winterizing the shoe, like you said, directly ties into the whole CFP, uh, you know, playoff game. Right. It's, it's really ridiculous it is it completely is. ridiculous and i know we travel well and yes i know india is only an hour or so away from our two hours away from columbus yeah i know you know it's a beautiful facility it is we it love really Lucas is. oil field you know we we you know we haven't been there in a few years but we've really loved lucas oil field in the past eric right so you know i just it, it, he hurts my head eric he really hurts my head when I think about Gene Smith, because at times I feel like he's a complete moron. I half expect him to come out at Big Ten media days wearing a red nose and big old floppy shoes because he's such a clown. But then sometimes he does things that are so right. Right. It, I just, I, I've got nothing else, Eric. I've got nothing else that I can say about Gene Smith right now other than he needs to remove his head from his backside in case he's lost that's that lump that's about three feet above the ground
2: off topic here larry daniels says maybe you guys get a side bet with always irish if the bucks win uh, john will have to wear a woody cap
3: oh i love it i love it
2: we'll get that next week when he's on the podcast (laughs) we'll see the problem is we might have to wear notre dame caps if uh if uh, they win. So that would be, that would be awesome though. Oh man. I, I love the idea of that. Thank you, Larry, for that great idea. Yeah, Let's yeah. take a quick commercial break, uh, Chris. And when we come back our guest, Justin Coffin from the three three Oh sports show there in Youngstown is with us. So get your questions ready for Justin. We're going to be talking about the penguins a little Youngstown college football and Ohio state and Jim Trestle and, and all things Northeast Ohio. So hang tight, everybody. Justin, how's it going? The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. The The OHIO Podcast, and there he is down there from the 330 Sports Show himself. Justin Coffin is with us. Justin, thank you so much for joining us here on the OHIO Podcast tonight.
1: Yeah, Eric and Chris, thank you so much
2: for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Justin, tell everybody here tonight who you are and a little bit about the 330 Sports Show and where they can find you and where they can find the show at.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean... You know, Justin, I I started this podcast thing about three years ago, kind of I I was actually a former teacher, a former uh, basketball coach, and um, COVID hit, and I kind of like hit the reset button on life. I I started, um, I changed careers, I I, um, now work for a family nonprofit in Northeast Ohio, and do the uh, 330 uh, sports show on the side. It's kind of my side gig, kind of just have fun with that and get my uh, sports outlet from that. So um, I uh, am out of Youngstown, and um, I podcast down at Youngstown Studios right downtown in Youngstown, Ohio. I'm, I'm doing this from my basement tonight, but uh, normally downtown Youngstown.
2: Yeah, I've seen several of your shows. It seems like it's it's pretty – I mean, after, yeah, I'm pretty proud of what Chris and I have built here, but that is next level stuff,
1: man. I was like, woo, that'd be nice to have a studio like that. But well, uh, if you guys ever make your way up here, we'll, we'll have you down to the studio. I will say um, the owner of my studio, Joe Danier, he is a uh, tech genius wizard. And we have like three different studios within our, our setup. So it's it's pretty legit.
2: That's pretty cool, man. Hey, and you know what? We are both going to be part of the Cleveland meetup there yeah. uh, on July fifteenth. Looking forward to meeting you in person and getting to hang out with a bunch of uh, Northeast Ohio Buckeyes. That's going to be a lot of fun. And so I, I, you know, I don't know if you knew Lisa or how you met her or, or how
1: she got in contact with you, but that's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, I don't know her well, but uh, her and I are from the same. I'm I'm in Canfield outside of Youngstown. Okay. Up here, and uh, I believe that's where she's from as well. So, uh, just you know, basically uh, interacting how how you guys do on social media, but you know, have talked to her several times.
2: All right, so I've seen some of your pictures on social media. You sure. have had the opportunity to meet the icon himself from Youngstown area, Jim Tressel, and. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to meet him, your impressions of Jim Trestle and what it's like living in Youngstown and what the people there in Youngstown
1: view him as. OK, yeah, sure. So a uh, little background real quick, though. I have known Jim Trestle almost my entire life. Um, his kids all went to Boardman High School, which is where I went to high school. And um, he, you know, his daughter Carly is a year younger than me. And his uh, his one of his youngest daughters, uh, Whitney, was the same age as my sister. So, I mean, she would you know, they would have sleepovers over our house and Jim Trussell would be dropping his daughter off, you know, and like we, you know, just like through youth sports and stuff like that. So I knew him more as a parent uh, than as uh, a football coach until YSU, you know, kind of became uh, a multi. Time national champion and and he kind of put himself on the map. So uh he, he's just a genuinely what you see, you know, those interviews where he kind of has that um, I want to say like congressman, uh, senator type approach. Uh, he really is the real deal. He's the genuine good guy, and uh he means well. You know, I went at one time, five to six years without seeing him. And, you know, you see him uh, down at one of our restaurants downtown. And, hey, Justin, how you doing? You know, how's the family? Stuff like that. So he's just a genuinely good dude. So uh, it was kind of cool. Um, my first year at Ohio State was 2002. I, you know, going and, and I graduated in 05. And Trestle's first year was the year before that but the national championship year. So it was kind of cool to just be able to be a part of that. Um, as he went down to Columbus from Youngstown. Now, That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Chris, now Justin,
3: yeah. Justin, I, I actually, I myself spent about 10 years up in the uh, Youngstown Warren area. I, I, yeah. I, you mentioned Canfield greatest County fair in the state, by the way, Yeah, but uh, been there many times. Um, you know, I remember Youngstown being an area that had a lot, a, a lot going on with the Penguins at the time I was up there. Would you say now that there's still a lot of buzz surrounding uh, the Youngstown Penguins as far as the team goes, or are there more Buckeyes, or maybe some fans of that team over there in South Bend that uh, kind of divide the area a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So, I mean, why Youngstown is, you know, I think a lot of people who are Youngstown state fans are still Ohio state fans. You know, it, it kind of uh, you know, you're from Youngstown, but you you're rooting for you're rooting for the state team, you know, and not just the state team, like really the, one of the blue bloods of college football. Um, I think being from Ohio uh, whether it be Youngstown or Toledo or Cincinnati or even Columbus, you know, most people are Ohio state fans and that's very true in Youngstown. Now, Um, You know, there's a a lot of Penguin fans here, obviously, Mm -hmm. being from uh, Youngstown and the surrounding areas. Youngstown warns a a fairly decent size area. Um, So YSU does have a very nice uh, base of fans. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's been some down years where I think at YSU, you know, they're trying to get attendance up and stuff like that. But a lot of times they play at the same time as Ohio State. And I think right. that will sometimes reflect in the numbers. Um, so I think that's something uh, YSU's maybe athletic department could look into, maybe not scheduling, you know, when those, now we're going to be on CBS and uh, NBC and, you know, and all these different networks, um, you know, maybe look at when Ohio state's game is. And and if it's a night game, make it a noon game. If it's a noon game, you know, reverse that, but uh, that you know it's a little off topic but uh but yeah a lot of ohio state fans here um a lot of ysu fans here obviously but uh, you sprinkle in a good amount of uh notre dame fans being a, a very I, um, italian uh town here in youngstown a right. lot of roman catholics uh but yeah a lot of notre dame fans and you sprinkle in some Pitt fans and I hate to say it, some, some team up North fans, uh, every now and then you, you, you'll see a, a few of them out out. You know, we don't, we won't shun them, but, uh, we, we also don't have to acknowledge them either.
2: <laughs> they're everywhere. They're, they're, they they're are. a cancer. Yeah. They're Especially a cancer. In the last couple years they've crawled yeah, out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're really into themselves <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, uh, so let's, let's keep the topic on Youngstown state going here. So. Uh, Justin, um, what, Um, Tell me a little bit about their team this year. They got a big game with Ohio state coming up. So maybe you can preview for us just a little bit on what Ohio state fans can expect from the penguins this year.
1: Yeah. So being what, let's say June 18th and happy father's day too, by the way, guys. Yeah, you Um, as well. well, Thank you. Thank you. Um, But being June 18th, I'm not going to be able to give you the full X's and O's breakdown of uh, YSU football. But what I can tell you is, um, you know, they're, they've lost some very important players, but they also have some important players coming back. Um, Doug Phillips, who is a uh, former Jim, He's a good buddy of Jim Trestle. He's actually a good buddy of Marcus Freeman too. worked with him down at uh, the university of Cincinnati uh, is the head coach. He's entering his fourth season with YSU um, overall, you know, Got off to a struggle. YSU actually, if you go back the last three years, so 2021, they actually played in the spring uh, because of the COVID stuff, um, were one and six in 2021. And then in 2021, the fall season, uh, they went three and seven that year. Last year, however, bounced back. Uh, they won five out of their last six games, um, finished seven and four. Uh, they did play Kentucky pretty tough down there in Lexington, um, they ended up, I think, ended up losing like 28-0, but they played them tough on defense where it was like a 14-0 game in the third quarter uh, against Will Levis and and the Kentucky Wildcats. So um, they play in probably, I would say, the equivalent of the SEC and FCS football which is called the Missouri Valley conference that you got North Dakota state, South Dakota state, all those uh, North Dakota, South Dakota schools in their conference. So they play a juggernaut of a schedule and, you know, year to year, I would say out of 10, every 10 years, they play eight pretty big time schools, you know, like once, once every year, usually, you know, they played Michigan state in the past. They've beat Pitt in the past. Um, You know, you know, the, up at the uh, FCS level or I'm sorry, FBS level. Um, But you know, YSU, I would expect them to be really sound defensively and offensively. They're going to have some struggles. Um, They do have a quarterback, Mitch Davidson. He took over about halfway through last season. Uh, He's a local kid out of Salem, Ohio down here. Um, But 12 touchdowns, one interception in his last seven games. Um, And, but they are having to replace. Now, this is a crazy, crazy thing. Um, w- when I was looking over these stats, Jaleel McLaughlin, who I believe signed with the Denver Broncos uh, as an you know undrafted free agent, but he was the NCA all division. So we're talking division one, two, three, NAIA, any league. He was the all-time leading rusher in college football history uh, that graduated from YSU this past year. Um, he averaged um, almost 200 yards a game, and uh, the Penguins as a whole averaged about 200 yards on the ground last year. Um, so they're going to run the ball now against Ohio State. We'll see. You got, you know, not quite uh, the levels of uh, they're playing Dayton week one. You know, it, it's it's going to be a very different matchup. Uh, heading into the shoe for the Buckeyes, or I'm sorry, for the Penguins against the Buckeyes. So, I'm expecting YSU to play very sound, but I'm not um, having high hopes for them against the um, the Buckeyes. My hope as a as you know a, a, an Ohio State Buckeye from Youngstown is you know they play them tough for the first quarter, and you know Ohio State can maybe you know. Get some stats in and, and stuff and then empty the bench and maybe YSU can can hang around there a little bit, but I wouldn't expect uh it to be less than a twenty-eight point game.
2: So I got I got a couple uh, listener questions here for you, Chris. You'll fire the oh next one after these, but this one's from Wire Ryan Wickerham. You ever eat at
1: is that Cases M V R in it, Youngstown? It's Casisa's M V R. So yeah. Okay. And, And as I mentioned, Youngstown, a very um, Italian uh, place. But Cassis' MVR actually has something on the menu called the Trestle Tortellini. Very good. Um, It's highly recommended. And every summer, um, I don't know if – I don't – I don't know when the one is coming up, but they always do a fundraiser down there and you get Bob Stoops coming in, Kirk Herbstreet, Trestle. You get a bunch of the old Youngstown coaches and uh, big time uh, coaches coming in for a fundraiser down there because they're known for their bocce courts down there, too. So
2: <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. This was from Larry Daniels. He says, welcome, Justin. Great hearing your memories. What was maybe a most memorable game or play
1: you saw while you attended Ohio State? Uh, my my first game as a student at the shoe against Michigan uh, was the 2002 year to put him into the national championship game. Um, I think it was like 13 to nine. Also, you know, my high school in Warren Harding up here is where Ma- Maurice Claret went, so I knew Maurice kind of growing up a little bit and seeing him just do some awesome things as a freshman down at YSU was pretty cool. Um, so. I would have to put that up as probably my most memorable memorable game um, attended, uh, at least early on in my college career.
3: Okay. Yeah, Chris. Uh, so, Justin, as a Buckeye fan, yeah, do you have any concerns going into this season?
1: I always have concerns. I mean, I'm, I'm. Uh, oh ridiculously optimistic almost 90% of the time, but uh, my 10% generally uh, is what sticks and what I'm worried about this year. And I wouldn't say even worried. It's more of just I I haven't seen it yet is two of the, well, I guess you could say three of the 11 most important positions on offense is obviously your quarterback. We haven't seen it out of McCord. We know the talents there. So What's Kyle McCord going to be, or is it going to be Devin Brown? We don't know, but I, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be Kyle McCord, and then obviously the left and the right tackle. You're replacing Paris Johnson Jr. You're replacing uh, Dewan Jones. So to me, it's uh, you know I'm not worried about the skill guys. Wide receiver, we got wide receivers for days. I think our eighth wide receiver could probably start on any Big Ten team, um, but. You know, running back, we got a healthy stable of guys. Tight end, we're we're pretty set there. But offensive line, uh, more so at the left and right tackle position. Uh, what's that going to look like? Um, and it looks like it's going to be Fryer and probably Simmons, um, the transfer that came in from San Diego State. But that's you know, is it going to be Tegra Shibola? Is it going to be you know? There, there, there's some there's some doubt there, and I don't know. You know, like but. uh But so that's, that's my biggest concern, uh, heading into the season.
2: Okay. thanks. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's let's continue on a little bit with that. And by the way, I I think maybe one of the things you can do for us on your show Mm -hmm. is promote the idea that when Youngstown state comes to the shoe to play Ohio state, Jim Trestle gets to dot, the I that day.
1: Yes. I've been, I've been saying that for, Mm -hmm. I've been saying that for about a year now, um, you know, I, it just makes sense. Ohio it State, does, doesn't it? Ohio State and YSU may never play again after this year. Um, you know, Ohio State, if they go to the nine-game schedule and, you know, with a new playoff format coming in 2024, they might – those, those like, Mac school-type games might, you know, go to a bigger opponent. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for scheduling, but who, who knows if they're going to be scheduling FCS schools and – I hope they don't, but if they do, I hope it's YSU, just so the money stays in state. But um, yeah, let Trussell dot the I. I mean, he's no longer the president at YSU. His term was done, I believe in February at YSU. Mm -hmm. You know, he's done so much good for both of those universities, uh, so many national titles, and it's the perfect opportunity. Why, you, you said it perfectly, why not? This is the time. Yep, absolutely.
2: So let's talk a little bit about uh, Ryan Day from from Trestle today. Mm-hmm. Do you believe Ryan Day is currently on the hot seat, or will he be on the hot seat if he loses number three, or would he possibly be fired in your in your mind? Where do you sit currently on the pulse of Ryan Day, and where he sits with everything that's going on?
1: So. I don't know where your viewers stand on this, but I have a feeling I'm, I think I'm in the majority of, I don't think Ryan Day should be on the hot seat at all. Now, let me explain. uh, Because I think what Ryan Day has done is amazing. I understand he has lost two in a row to Michigan. I understand that 100%. However, I think the 2021 loss, The better team won. I really do think Michigan was the better team in 2021. Last year's loss, and he's owned up to this. He said he was in his own head. He wasn't. He was. He was. You know, telling those guys we're going to we're going to go out and just whoop them. And I think Michigan was in Ohio State's head last year, in my opinion. Now, I think Ryan Day, if he loses game number three in a row, which I don't even want to think about, will be then on the hot seat. Um, I don't think he should be on the hot seat now because, I mean, look around college football. Who's better than Ryan Day right now outside of maybe Kirby Smart? Uh, you know, Nick Saban's had a couple years where, you know, they've and, – and he's getting older. I, I, I'm just – I heard you guys. uh, I heard your talk about Gene Smith earlier, uh, and 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 who would you replace him with? My question would be, who would you replace Ryan Day with? That's going to be any better? Um, Assuming I know a lot of people might say, oh, Mike Vrabel, bring him in. Is he going to leave the NFL? College is a harder job. College football right now is a harder job. It is a -a twelve-month-a-year job. Now NFL, that's no that's no uh, cakewalk either. But uh, but I think Ryan Day is the right man for this job. And I think he's going to he's going to prove everybody right about uh, keeping him as the Buckeye coach for hopefully a long run. But he's got to turn that tide against Michigan. Chris, before you uh,
2: ask the next question, I I, I want to respond to this real quickly. Um <clears throat> So one of the things that uh, as a Buckeye fan and as Buckeye Nation as a whole I don't think is really realized is the fact that Ryan Day is learning on the job. Mm -hmm. You look at every former coach before Ryan Day. They got to cut their teeth somewhere else. I mean, let's take Urban, for instance. Bowling Green, Utah, then Florida, right? Uh, You have uh, Cooper was over in uh, uh,
1: Arizona before he came over to us. Tulsa or Tulane before yes.
2: that. You know? Yeah, right. So you, you have that. Um, Trestle obviously learned how the coach there in Youngstown won some national championships in Youngstown. I know that level's different, but winning a national championship is still winning a national championship. Right. He had a national championship mindset and program in place that he brought to Ohio state Mm -hmm. Ryan day didn't have any of those things yet. And so I think what we are experiencing are growing pains for what could be a legendary coach down the road. He's not there yet, but that's not to say he can't get there. The problem is, is our expectations. This is not really a problem. It's the standard. The standard Mm -hmm. is the standard, right? And, and I don't want to lower that standard even for, you know, the sake of Ryan learning on the job. But there is one other coach out there who's learning at a very big program who is an Ohio State alum, happens to be at probably the closest thing to Ohio State you can coach at in South Bend, Indiana. Sure. And if he beats Ryan this year and Ryan loses to that team up north for a third time, If you're Gene Smith, don't you owe it to yourself to at least have a conversation and see, possibly, maybe? I mean, he is. I mean, that's that's. I know that's kind of comparing a little bit of apples to oranges. However, I just feel like where we're at right now and where, you know, I'm with you, Justin. I hope he wins this game this year and can get this thing turned around and goes and wins us a national championship. Um, and then he can say check mark I've done it now let's go do it again right but you know we also have to prepare ourselves for plan B in case plan a doesn't work and so that's kind of where I think if we were to because a lot of people are talking, Brian Hartline will be the next. I don't think Brian Hartline is going to be the next head coach. No, because he's not no- ready yet, Eric. No. Exactly. It's it's another Ryan Day situation, and I cannot see Gene Smith saying, "Well, it didn't work the first time; it'll work the second time." And I just don't see Luke Fickle jumping ship and coming back home after he just got to Wisconsin. Sure. Um. So that's kind of my feelings on it. You do you have any take on that before you, uh, Chris asks the next question?
1: Yeah. The only thing I I would say about, you know, a Marcus Freeman or a Brian Hartline or a Mike Vrabel, all those guys do have roots here in Ohio. And I think, you know, you look at Urban, you look at Trestle, those guys are all from here, which which matters, you know, and you look at the rivalry and you're you're born into it. I believe Day is from New England, New Hampshire area. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if I'm right on that, but I know he's from the Northeast. Um, and you know, a lot of people might say, well, hey, he doesn't, no, he he's he's in this rivalry. It means something to him., um, you know, and doesn't mean the same to, you know, to an urban Meyer? Probably not. But when you're coaching that team, you are fully invested in that rivalry,, um, in my opinion. Now, I think we learned a lot about Ryan Day in that Georgia game. Uh, And I think he learned a lot about himself and I think we're going to see a different type of Ryan day this year. And he is going to uh, be one of those more all out type coaches now show a lot more emotion, not be so stoic on the sideline. And I think you play each play uh, a lot more meaningful. And I think he's given up a little bit of the offensive control, which will let him oversee the whole, kind of show this year. So I think we're going to see a different kind of Ryan day this year, a more aggressive Ryan day, a more um, energetic, a more enthusiastic Ryan day. And I think uh, bringing a coach like Lauren Ideson that shows, uh, Hey, this guy knows about the rivalry. I'm bringing in a coach that will, uh, that will, you know, be able to attest to this defense and this offense and speak to these players. Uh, with someone that's lived this rivalry so just my opinion i I know i threw a lot out there but you know um i don't i don't know i i don't even want to think about the next guy yet because i think ryan day is the right guy in my opinion so fair enough i'm gonna
3: gonna sit quietly on this one eric (laughs) i (laughs) think i know where
1: stands on this one yeah yeah
3: so uh justin Uh, What are your expectations for the Buckeyes in 2023?
1: Well, I will tell you guys, I've already placed my bet at over 10 and a half wins. So um, I got almost, I got basically even money for 10 and a half wins. Now I know there's, there's a tough schedule. First time. Do you guys know this first time since 1895 that Ohio State's playing six road games? I did not know Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) That's pretty insane. So six games at home, six games on the road, um, you know, for the most part, I think you break it down to really like four games. It's, it's going to be Notre Dame. It's going to be obviously the, well, if you're, I don't want to rank them in order, but Notre Dame, Wisconsin, um, Penn state and Michigan. Those are your four right there. I mean, you, you don't want to uh, let a letdown against the Purdue or, or someone like that, but those are your four games. Um, I think, Talent-wise, they are going to be equally, if not better, than every one of those teams. Um, Penn State's going to be good. Michigan's going to be good. Uh, Wisconsin knows they got their ass kicked last year by Ohio State in the shoe. Uh, And Fickle's going to have something to say. Um, So I think that's going to be a tough game, by the way, on Halloween weekend, I believe, in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we all know what's on the line against Michigan. So to me, I think this team – um, probably drops one game, and I think they're an 11-1 and uh, team. And I'm hoping <laughs> that game is not the last weekend of November.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, I'm really struggling right now as I'm looking over the schedule and diving into the different teams and things. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, Justin, that game in Wisconsin is scaring me. Sure. Mm-hmm. That is a very good team. I have a feeling it's going to be a night game in Madison, mm-hmm. Halloween weekend. Those students are going to be lit. I mean, you it's not going to be jump around. It's going to be bring the house down is what it's right. going to be. And uh, that one scares me. Mm-hmm. The one in South Bend scares me. Um, although if, the, if we drop that one, it's not the end of the world if we can bounce back and win the conference. But that one scares me. And, of course, you know, um, I don't want to admit this, but I think you I've been thinking about it, but I've never I haven't said it until tonight and you said it. I think they're in our head. I, I you know, when talking about the team up north. and that to me feels very much like what happened in the 90s. Mm. We had so many good teams. we had we had more, better teams than them over half half the time. And it didn't matter because they were in our head. Um, that being said, we're in overtime already. Let's kind of wrap this up, Justin. What does it mean to Justin Coffin
1: to be a Buckeye? I mean, I've I've spent a lot of my life in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's a very special place to me. Ohio State. Um, I have so many memories from, and I I still continue to live it, whether I get down there on a you know a game day weekend or or whatever it might be. But being a Buckeye, just you know the 90% of fans that are great. Um, again, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, hate on anyone, but, um, we, we have a great fan base, probably the largest fan base in the country, you know, in any sport, I think you could say, um, probably get pushed back on that. But to me, it, it, there's just something special about it. You know, it's just, just like the camaraderie it brings, you know, I mean, I'm talking to you guys, which we've never met each other until, right. tonight. you know, we're talking on a podcast about, you know, in June about a season that's still three months away. So, I mean, that tells you it's important. It's important, right. um, you know, and I also root for the Browns on Sundays. So being an Ohio state fan gives me uh, some hope. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the Cleveland Browns have not given me, uh, that kind of joy in my life. But, uh, but you know what, being an Ohio state fan is special because there's just so much to it. It's not just the Saturdays in the fall there. There's just so much more to it. And it's bigger than, than just that. But, you know, the horseshoe, the friends you make the, the, you know, the family you meet all that, you know, all that good stuff, uh, it, it's just so great about being a Buckeye.
2: Yeah. You and Chris share that, uh, Dog pound there in common, you two. <laughs> my dad raised me right. He raised me as a Cincinnati fan. So uh, my my brother <laughs> my brother posted that this uh, this morning on on Facebook, thanking my dad on Father's Day for raising us right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I still remember uh, the mistake by the lake comment. But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> we're looking forward to going up to Cleveland and meeting you, Justin, and getting together with with a crazy. Bunch of crazy Ohio State fans. Uh, July 15th, check out our Facebook, Twitter. You can find the links there. Click on the link. Go there. Order your tickets. There's limited space. You're going to want to make sure to get your spot in there. The tickets are free. You can meet Chris, myself, Justin will be there. Scarlet and Game Podcast will be there. And, of course, Lisa, the Buckeye football fangirl, will be there. We're going to have a great time. Justin, tell everybody again where they can find you on social media and, a little, and where they can find the 330 Sports Show.
1: Yeah, um, pretty much all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at 330 Sports Show. And um, we also stream live through our studio page at Youngstown Studio.
2: Beautiful. There you go, guys. Check it out. It's it's really good. It's not just Buckeyes. They're they're talking of sports in general. A lot of stuff. Northeast Ohio sports, uh, national sports. I really enjoyed their show. Check that out. Um, And of course, make sure you check out our social media pages as well. Uh, We got some really cool things coming down the pike for you guys. Chris and I, uh, we're we're excited to make some announcements coming up. Um, But we're going to be all over the place this season. Starts. Next month, July 15th, Northeast Ohio, the Cleveland get-together with Buckeye Nation. Make sure you're there. Justin, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We really enjoyed having you coming on. Can't wait to have you come back. Maybe we can bring you on as a special guest during the season. How's that sound?
1: Anytime, anytime. I appreciate it, Eric and Chris.
2: And Thank you, all of you out there in Buckeye Nation, for watching. 8 o'clock next Sunday night, we will be back. It's going to be the big Notre Dame preview show john kennedy john kennedy himself from the always irish show we're just calling the whole show the john kennedy experience chris and i might just ask a question set back and let the guy explode because that's what he does so it's going to be a lot of fun so make sure you're here next sunday night live right here on youtube facebook mark your calendars make sure you like share subscribe ring the bell so you don't miss us all of that good stuff we really do appreciate all of you coming on once again remember be kind to one another i owe someone's oh in St. carmen ohio with all your heart until next time
3: oh I owe. without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies